Hey, did you hear the one about Irving? No. No? No. Let me tell you. Okay. Irving was a young Jewish man, lived in the Bronx, and one day he had a pair of shoes that he needed to take to the shoe repairman, Mr. Klonsky, over in the Bronx, had a little shoe store, and uh, dropped them off, left, and forgot about them for a while, and in the middle of all of that, he got drafted, sent overseas, uh, he met his wife, they got married, and they moved away, and... He was gone from New York for about 20 years, and one day he wanted to take his wife back there to show her the city, and they went up to the Bronx, and everything had changed, all except for Mr. Klonsky's shoe store that was still there. And he said, you know, I dropped off a pair of shoes 20 years ago. Nah, this is a long shot, but let me see if they're still there. I never picked them up. So he walks into Mr. Klonsky's shoe store, and greets Mr. Klonsky and says, I don't know if you remember me, but 20 years ago, I dropped off a pair of shoes. Do you think you remember them? Do you still have them? And Mr. Mr. Klonsky says, were they wingtips? He says, yeah, they were wingtips. And you wanted taps in the front? He says, yeah, taps in the front. And new heels? He says, yeah, I can't believe it. Do you still have them? They'll be ready on Wednesday. Well, shalom, chavarim. That means, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. We are here to help Christians make sense of their roots so they can help the Jewish people make sense of Jesus. Now, my name's Matt. I'm here with my dad, Ron. Say hello. Shalom, or as we say sometimes in Kentucky, hi, y'all. Oh boy, here we go again. (laughs) Well, here we are. This is episode two, and today we are going to be talking about the feasts of Israel. Now, we're Jewish. We love a good feast, and I actually believe that God loves a good party. Now, overall, we're going to just take this. This is 30,000 feet, maybe even 50,000 feet, but what is it? Give us an overview, a a, a quick recap of of getting into this season. Well, you know, as I I consider this idea of the feasts of Israel, uh, it's really exciting to me. It's one of the most exciting topics, I think, in Scripture, because as I look at world events, as they are taking place, unfolding before our very eyes, even today, I have a sense of a great anticipation of things that are to come. And where we are in God's timeline of history, he has revealed to us, and of all places, an outline of what is going to take place in history right there in the book of Leviticus. And even now, there are today prophetically significant events that just continue to unfold before our very eyes. Now, the book of Leviticus is often one that people want to skip over. If you've ever started like a yearly Bible reading plan, we make it up to, if we're good, we can make it up to the Ten Commandments, right? Like Exodus If I, I, I've heard some of my friends say if they have trouble sleeping, they read Leviticus. Exactly, right? And, and maybe they get to the golden calf, but once you start getting into the tabernacle instructions, we start losing people. And by the time you get to Leviticus, just forget it. Leviticus is important. Uh, in, in Exodus, God gives instructions for building the tabernacle, but what you're supposed to do in the tabernacle, how you're supposed to live as the people of God, all of that is prescribed in the book of Leviticus. And and God makes this promise in Exodus 19. He says, if you obey me fully and you keep my commandment, then out of 
all of the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, he says this, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So throughout this book of of Leviticus, God is prescribing how he wants his people to live as priests. And it's something that is not just confined to the Old Testament or the Old Testament people, ancient people of Israel. As I said, uh, there are just prophetically significant events that are unfolding before our eyes today. And I think that there has, you know, there has probably never been a time in history when end times prophecy is more aligned with current events than it is today. And we find all of these things that are unfolding that have already been outlined for us in Leviticus. We think all of this kind of information of current events and prophecy and all of that uh, on that subject comes out of maybe the book of Revelation, which there's a lot there, and other places in the New Testament. But let me tell you, it goes all the way back to Moses. God gave us an outline in Israel's feast days that takes us from a fallen world that is in turmoil because of sin, a world in chaos, and takes us to complete restoration and order. Yeah, so we find we find we find that whole outline in Leviticus twenty-three. Yeah, so this this prescribed these feasts that that show up. You know, God from the very beginning, all the way back to Genesis one. When he's saying, let there be lights, uh, and we have the moon, and we have the sun. Uh, but he says in, in Genesis 1.14, says, let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And so, really, the, these Jewish holidays, they, they fall on a lunar calendar, and God is giving instructions for how he wants people to live. And so there's significance for them then, and there was significance during Act 2, during the time of Jesus, and I would say that even more so, there is significance for us today. All right, so let's talk about the feasts. We're going to start with the spring feasts. There, there are spring feasts, and there are fall feasts. Fall feasts. And they're going to be in these two sets is how we're going to talk about them. Uh, and the spring feasts are the ones that have been fulfilled. The fall feasts have yet to be fulfilled. So we'll, we'll get into that. But all of this, like we said before, was, is based in... Leviticus 23. And let me say, just as you have said that, that all of the feasts were prophetic, pointing towards something. The first four feasts have been historically fulfilled. We have the last three feasts in Israel's uh, feast days that are still prophetic. So when you look at Leviticus 23, verse 1, it says, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed festivals, the appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. And then right out the gate, the very first one is the Sabbath. Now, actually, as we're recording this right now, we are just before the Sabbath. It's on Friday. And this is something that happens weekly, right? There are six days when you may work. The seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly. Yeah. And, you know, we might even say, even though uh, it's a little bit different than the seven feasts of Israel that uh, kind of outline the world history and where we're going from chaos to order, and we'll explain that, but as we look at the Shabbat, it's a weekly event that we keep, and it's a little bit different than the rest of them, but 
yet it's part of God's appointed times. And you might even say uh, it can look forward to the rest that we are supposed to enter into in Messiah. Yeah, and, and Sabbath is its whole own thing, and we're going to take that on at another time. But what we just for purposes of what we want to do here, we're going to just talk about these other feasts and, and just give us a flyover. And then we will actually dive into the, the fall feasts more deeply in, in the next uh, few podcast episodes. So let's start with uh, Passover. Uh, Passover also in Hebrew is Pesach, and uh, it shows up in the Hebrew month of Nisan. Nisan. Now, not the not the car, not, not the, the car. <laughs> but we have a Hebrew calendar, and then we have a Julian calendar. There you go. I was waiting for you to get that. And <laughs> these are based on uh, the Hebrew calendar, and so Nisan is a month. And so, if you actually look at the Hebrew calendar, it is taking place at the same time every year on the Hebrew calendar. But for us, it's a moving target. Yeah, on the Julian calendar, it could be a month off. Interestingly, in 2022. Passover, the first night of Passover, coincides exactly next year with Good Friday. Well, there you go. And that will have more significance when we talk about that. When we get there. Yeah, let's, so let's, let's put that on hold. But Passover, 14th of Nisan, uh, and, and we know that Israel is in Egypt. They have the 10 plagues, and we finally get to that 10th plague, and it's the death of the firstborn. In order to save their household, they had to take a perfect lamb Without blemish, they actually did that on the 10th day of Nisan. They did it, yeah. They did it on the 10th of Nisan, and they watched that lamb for four days. That is very significant when we come to the life of Messiah and when Yeshua actually rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. A donkey. A donkey. No, no, donkey. It's a donkey. <laughs> All right. How do, you, how do you say M-O-N-K-E-Y? <laughs> oh, shoot. You got me there. <laughs> Monkey? Monkey, donkey. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll have well. to edit that out. That'd be fun. Um, well, so he, the, for, for those few days, Jesus is scrutinized. They want to see, is there any blemish in him? And we'll, we'll get into, I can't wait to get in that in the springtime. But they, in the act one, in act one, you have in the book of Exodus, you have a family, they take that sacrifice, they take the blood, they put it on the doorpost. In act two, we see Jesus and he at the same Seder, he is observing. This is the last holiday that he really, truly observed, um, but he becomes that Passover lamb. And just for clarity, you're talking about, when you say Act 1 and Act 2, you're talking about this uh, Act 1 and Act 2 of a play that Jews and Gentiles bought tickets to. That's right. And so, a lot, and we've talked about this in the last episode, but yes, all of the Jews, they went to the first act, but they missed that second act. And, and I know that a lot of our, our Christian friends, they, they know that last supper, that last Passover Seder, but sometimes we forget to put that, that last supper in its context. Yeah, and it's something that God says consistently throughout Scripture and throughout the Word that uh, it's something that we're supposed to remember. And so as the Israelites would mark their house with the blood of the Lamb, um, we are, uh, today, we mark our house, the body, the house of the Spirit with the blood of Jesus, the Messiah. So this represents our salvation. Now this is uh, something that's already been fulfilled. So the fulfillment of this feast took place with what? Well, the, you know, as I, as I think of the blood that was put on the doorposts, um, it was a picture, it was a type pointing to the Messiah who would shed his blood, and that is the blood that 
became an atonement and covered our sin. This picture of this holiday, um, and, and we have the, the Passover festival or the Feast of Passover, and it's followed by the Feast, Feast of, of Un- Unleavened Bread. Right, and that takes place for the next seven days. And so these are actually right. two holidays that are put together. And they're eight days long, and sometimes they're referred to altogether as the Feast of Unleavened Bread or Chag HaMatzot, um, which is Feast of Unleavened Bread in Hebrew. They carry their own significance, and the unleavened bread carries a lot of significance because for those seven days we eat unleavened bread, there's no leaven in it. What is what is leaven significant of in the Bible? Yeah, it's always referred to as sin. And yeah. so one of the things that we do during Passover, and the kids like getting into it, we say we're going to get rid of all of the leaven in the house. So that is yeast. Anything that makes bread rise, Hawaiian rolls are out the door. So <laughs> I, I remember as a kid, we used to either have to throw it out, or we would just have a carb fest, and we would eat it all. But the the idea was get rid of that leaven. Yeah. And in Act 1, it was a reminder. When When the Israelites made their way out of Egypt, they did not have time to let that bread rise. Act 1 of the play we're talking about now. Yes. And so that bread, the bread, it was known as the bread of affliction, was baking on their back as they made their way out. Well, Jesus later said, this bread, let this bread be a reminder of me. My body. Yeah. And so what's... look at it and it's pierced. Yeah. It's striped. Yeah. Because of the way you have to bake matzah, it comes out that way. We don't have to do anything (laughs) to make it look like that. So uh, he said that was his body and uh, it certainly is. So after Passover, after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, then we have the Feast of First Fruits in Hebrew, Yom HaBikurim. Yom HaBikurim, yeah. And that occurs on, it says in the, in the scripture, on the morrow after the Sabbath. And there are a couple of different thoughts on it, but I think the prevailing thought, uh, and in this case, the Sadducees got it right, that the morrow after the Sabbath was on the first day of the week, which would have been Sunday. And so this is the time uh, where, in, in Act 1, in the Old Testament, this would be the time, the actual observance of this, they would be bringing in the early crops of the spring planting. They would, they would thank God. They would wave the sheaves before the Lord, and they'd say, thank you. We, we acknowledge that this is the first seed to come up out of the ground. This is our sustenance. Right. This is the thanking God that the first is finally up out of the ground, and there will be a huge crop to follow. That is to say that you know, in its prophetic meaning, looking forward, that the Messiah has risen from the dead, that he has been raised from the dead, and there's going to be a tremendous crop, a resurrection also of all of us who believe. Now, a lot of us, uh, you know, you, you drive sometime in March or April, and you're going down the street, and you see all the churches and all the signs, and you don't see a lot of signs or banners out front that say, come to First Fruits Sunday. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> if if they've got it a little bit better than that, uh, and, and nobody has ever in the history of all... So if you're a pastor and you're listening, you should get a banner out. Get a banner out in front of your church and say, come to our Yom HaBikarim Sunday service. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And everybody will go, huh? I'll buy you a box of matzah if you do yeah. that. But yeah. uh, take a picture of that. I would love to see it. Um, send it in. Yeah. Uh, but what do, what do they call that day anyway? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They actually, they, they would call it Resurrection Sunday, but most churches would call it Easter. Easter. Now, yeah. 
Where it, does that come from? It, it drives you nuts, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. <laughs> it, it comes. They, the, the Babylonians had a little pregnant goddess, multi-breasted goddess, uh, named Ishtar, and they used to pray to her for an issue of children, and goddess of fertility. Goddess of fertility, you know, I, I think the Jewish feast is much more relevant to the resurrection. It's thanking God, as we said, that the first is finally out of the ground and a whole harvest is to follow. So th- this is where we get on Easter Sunday, or as I heard growing up, Ishtar Sunday, <laughs> uh, when all of the other kids were running around parks looking for plastic eggs and eating candy, you looked at me and you said, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> So that was part of my childhood. No no Easter bunnies, no baskets, no painting eggs, and no Christmas <laughs> trees. But we'll get into that later, too. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, so following that, so that is the resurrection. That is, and, and Jesus, our Messiah, will say later on in the second act that he was the first fruits of all humanity. Uh, and I can't wait to get into that a little bit later. Just teasing up and teeing up a whole lot of stuff. But now we wait. Not too long, but the next spring feast is... Shavuot in Hebrew, or uh, probably more commonly known as Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks is also referred to. And so this is something that takes place 50 days later, generally May or June, and this would mark the summer harvest. And uh, they would be counting uh, in, in Judaism, there's the counting of the Omer, and we'll talk about that. But there's something significant that it says here, um, that this is one holiday. It says that you would take two loaves, but not matzah, not the unleavened bread, but two loaves with leaven. Right. Uh, Leviticus uh, 23, verse 15, uh, talks about you have you offer two loaves of leavened bread. And it's significant because what do we say leaven represents in the Bible? It's sin. Yeah, uh, leaven is representative of sin. And we have two loaves. It says the same weight each, two-tenth deals. I believe that represents one for the Jew and one for the Gentile. And it's leavened. In fact, it's the only offering in the scripture that is prescribed and is prescribed to have leaven in it. And I believe that's because there is leaven in the church. We have here in Acts 1... um, the, the traditional belief is that 50 days later, think about the Exodus story, that it was on top of Mount Sinai, 50 days later, um, that this was when God gave the law to Moses. This is what our, our Jewish people celebrate, and uh, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that, uh, that this, this may have been actually when God gave the law. Now, in Act 2... On Act this two of day, the play that we're talking about. Yes. Well, you keep saying that. I think they get it by now. Okay. All right. So act two of the play that we're talking about, God does something different, but on the same day. This is God not giving the law, but God is giving his spirit. His spirit. And yeah. this is not just in Acts 2, but it's literally in the book of Acts chapter 2. Yeah. And, and when we look at that and we read through Acts 2 in the Bible... And after Peter was finished preaching, uh, the men were just cut to the heart, and they said, what do we do? And he said, repent and be immersed, every one of you, in the name of the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they did, and they received the the Spirit, and 3,000 were saved. 
is interesting because when the law was given, the Levites went through the crowd and about how many were killed? It was actually 3,000. About 3,000 were killed. Uh, the law kills and the spirit gives life. Yeah. So these are the spring feasts and all of the spring feasts, they were prophetic, but they have now been historically All right, so those are the spring feasts, and uh, we're working our way now into the fall feast. But between spring and between fall is verse summer. 22. Yeah, summer, or verse 22. Yeah, in Leviticus 23, and it looks like there is, it's not a feast day, and it looks like nothing's happening, but something really significant is happening during that summertime. And it's interesting because this this small little verse that is very like parenthetical uh, actually has huge meaning, and we'll unpack that in our next uh, episode together. But now we get into this the the fall feasts, and they're they're unfulfilled, but they're also prophetic. They're prophetic, and I, I might just add to what you said is that that summertime of uh, verse twenty two is leading us right into. The first fall fe- uh, feast. And that's the Feast of Trumpets. Also in Hebrew, it's known as Yom Teruah, also known as the Feast of Shofars, but no- nobody calls it that. Uh, they actually no. call it something else. They call it Rosh Hashanah, and uh, that actually means New Year. Rosh is uh, the head. The head, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, so it's the head of the year. Although we learned that uh, actually in the month of Nisan, Passover was the first month of the year. So we'll talk about what the differences are uh, in that when we get uh, in more detail to it. So basically, this entire podcast, this episode, is all the stuff that we're not going to talk to them about. (laughs) This is an overview. This is an overview. We're just we're saying we're not going to talk about that now. We're not going to talk about it next week. We're going to talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, we we don't want to talk about anything here. What are we even doing here? (laughs) Well, it's it's very unique for a couple of Jews to talk about nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not uncommon. So. Trumpets uh, takes place uh, in the the Hebrew month of Tishri, the first of Tishri, and uh, we find out, and and we're really gonna like fly even higher with these because starting next week we're actually gonna talk about this feast of trumpets. But uh, this is uh, the shofar. There's not you're, if you're thinking about the brass instrument with the three valves, you're you're off. But God God loves and has enjoyed the trumpets all the way back to Genesis 22. Isaac is spared by the ram caught in the thicket by his horn. And and it's a constant reminder, whether we have Joshua and Jericho or Gideon in the Midianites, the shofar is this loud sounding clarion call and it proclaims liberty throughout all the land and unto the inhabitants. And that quote is actually on the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. Now what it says in verse 24 in Leviticus, it says, On the first day of the seventh month, you're supposed to have a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Now, how do we know when this is actually going to be fulfilled? When Paul talked about this to the Thessalonians, uh, there there was uh, the discussion of the trumpet that uh, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Messiah will rise first and then those who us, of us who are left will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 
I, I believe that the trumpet is significant of that day when he is going to call uh, all of those who belong to him in this age uh, out of their graves, or if you are still alive, catch you up into the clouds to be with him, be with the Lord, it says, and there we will always be. So uh, Paul tells them to comfort each other with that hope, uh, and that's simply because they were losing hope because they thought that the catching away or the rapture had already taken place, and they missed it. Now, the trumpet, it was always a signal for the field workers to come in for the harvest. The high priest would actually do this, and he would call the people to stop harvesting and to start worshiping. And so this is a reminder. The Lord is coming back, and, and during that time, that is when we will see the fulfillment of right. this Feast of Trumpets. Right. So significant that uh, the picture just uh, unfolds in that way. Now, the next one is atonement, also known as Yom Kippur. Uh, this takes place 10 days later. We'll talk about what happens in between in those 10 days. But this is a day of confession. This is a day of covering and forgiveness. But this is the highest of all holy days. Now, as a young Jewish boy growing up in the Bronx, uh, what, what was this day like for you? What did you do? What, how did you celebrate this? Well, it was actually Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. There you go. Sorry. And it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Couldn't eat anything all day. Right. This is the day of fasting. Yeah, of course, I was kind of young, so, you know, I got to cheat. Yeah. So, you, did you go to synagogue? I wasn't to bar mitzvah yet. Yeah. So did you go to synagogue on this day, or what well, happened there? Well, this is probably the day that uh, all of the Jews, if they're going to attend synagogue, this was the day that they would do it. Uh, and, you know, you had to buy tickets to these high holy day services, and the tickets would be rather expensive, and uh, my dad didn't have a lot of money, and so we couldn't go. We observed that holiday by not going to work, though, and by not running around outside and playing. Uh, it was a day where you had to reflect on your soul, and I learned at a very young age that uh, there was something unique and special about this day that separated us from the rest of the world. And so this is the day that is commemorating uh, our atonement. This is the day that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and make a sacrifice on behalf of all of the people. It was, in fact, the only day that the high priest would go in, and he had to go in with the blood of a sacrifice. He would go in alone. And in fact, uh, there are stories that they would tie a rope around uh, the ankle of the high priest, uh, just in case he went in in some kind of an unworthy manner and died, nobody could go in there after him, so they'd have to pull him out. Yeah, so we'll get into that in, in a couple of weeks. Um, and then the, the last one, the last fall feast is the Feast of Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of, in Hebrew, Sukkot. And just, just like uh, we have like 20 spellings for the word Hanukkah, we can never find agreement on anything. We say if we have two Jews, we have three opinions, and sometimes I've seen you argue with yourself. Um, but the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, this is in verse 34 of Leviticus 23, on the 15th day of the seventh month. So all these three, these three are really just stacked together. Um, but the seventh month of the Lord's Festival of Tabernacles begins, and it lasts for seven days. This is prophetic, looking forward to the time of the return of Messiah to the earth uh, to set up his kingdom, in other words, to tabernacle with man, to dwell with man. Now we know that Jesus, when he came, it says that he came and he dwelt among us, he tabernacled among us, but there is, this is pointing to a greater day, when we will, he will set up his kingdom on earth and we will dwell 
with him. Right. And then we will truly tabernacle with him. And so in Act 1, in the Old Testament, uh, this reminded us that, that the Israelites, they sheltered in the wilderness and God dwelled in their midst. And even today, we build these little tabernacles called sukkahs. But in Act 2, there's something interesting that happens and uh, we see that Jesus actually observes this holiday. Uh, we read about this account in the book of John. Now, uh, even today, uh, Jews will do this. Uh, and if you go to Williamsburg in Brooklyn, uh, you'll see something unique. Even today, during this time, during Sukkot or Tabernacles, yeah. what is it? Uh, you know, I go to uh, Brooklyn every year and uh, engage the Jewish community there. And uh, in the very orthodox section of, of Brooklyn is Williamsburg. It happens to be where I was born. And uh, you can see, even on the outside of large apartment buildings, seven-story apartment buildings, you look at the side and it looks like there are fire escapes going up. But they're not built one on top of the other. They're built offset from each other as they go up the building so that the people, it's really not a fire escape, they would set up their... Sukkot, their booths out there. And the reason they're not stacked on top of each other is because you have to be able to see the sky. And if they were on top of each other, you'd just see the bottom of the guy who's above you. So they are set off from each other. And they it's just interesting that uh, they go to such lengths to uh, celebrate this feast, even in crowded New York City. And so we'll put a picture of that in the show notes, and you can check that out. And so all of this is pointing to there is a greater shelter to come, that, that God will set up his great tabernacle in Jerusalem during the kingdom age. And, and it says uh, in, in Zechariah 14, it says, the world will come every year to appear before the king. They will worship him in that spot. You know, he, uh, he sets up uh, the tabernacle. When he comes, fulfills that feast, he will set up the millennial age, that thousand-year reign of Messiah from Jerusalem, sitting on the throne of his father, David. Well, that was a lot. We just dumped all of that out there, all of the feasts of Israel from 50,000 feet up, and uh, we, we want to be able to put some feet to this. And so uh, we want you to know that we're not asking uh, Gentile Christians to become Jewish uh, you don't even traditionally have to celebrate. But there's something to be redeemed out of all of this. There's connections here. And there's a historical and there's a prophetic nature to these feasts. Yeah, And I think as Gentile Christians uh, get to understand more of the roots of the Jewishness of this gospel and of the faith, uh, they are equipped even more so then to help Jewish people make sense out of Jesus. Yeah, and that's that's the entire point. Now, and we also just need to know that if, if this the first sets of feasts, the spring feasts were fulfilled, we better believe that the last three will be as well. And so when we piece this first act together with this second act, uh, and we apply that to our lives today, then there's some amazing things that can happen. It deepens our faith. We know the whole story. Yeah, and, and you know, I have to say that you know, as we look at the, such a scope of uh, of history that has been covered under these feast days, we have lived ourselves in a time and a place wherein we have felt pretty much, you know, we have felt insulated from a lot of the horrors of the world that are out there, the battles and the wars, you know, that have been fought 
they've been fought that we have fought as a country predominantly have been fought in their backyard, not in our backyard. Yeah, it always the, seems so far away from us. Yeah, well, with the exception of 9-11, yeah. you know, that was in our backyard. Right. Uh, but we know there is great turmoil in the Middle East, and even that has seemed so far away up until the past couple of weeks, uh, I would say. And I think everybody knows what we're talking about in terms of Afghanistan and all of that. It belonged to another part of the world before. It didn't belong to us. But guess what? All of a sudden, it's not that far away from us. Uh, the things that are coming upon this world, and this is the focal point, is that they place Israel, the Jewish people, and the Middle East at the epicenter of the tribulation, this great tribulation, this time that the Bible calls the time of Jacob's trouble, it's going to come upon the world, and it's going to be something that is going to prepare the world for the Messiah's return, particularly prepare Israel for Messiah's return and the setting up of that thousand-year kingdom that we talked about. So the big question is, when is this going to happen? Well, I don't know. I'm not going to set a date. Uh, but I do believe we are at the end of the age. I don't think we're in the last hour. I think we're in the last minutes, folks. So the call for each of us is to be ready, to be watchful, and to live our lives in light of his coming, to be ready. Well, that's today's episode. You can find out more at our website, thejewishroad.com. If they go on there, Dad, what are they going to find? Have you been on our website? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. There are blogs on yeah. there Yeah. that... Uh, written by two Jews. <laughs> Who would that be? Yeah, I don't know. All right, so you've been on, you know how to do that. You can surf the web. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, it's, so it's pretty simple there. Uh, you can also go onto Instagram. Have you been on Instagram? I think so, yeah. 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 So you can find us at the Jewish Road. You mostly just, oh yeah, you mostly just like send pictures or comment on all of our fun stuff. So the Jewish Road is where you can find us on Instagram. So Thanks for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Check us out. Find some more uh, stuff out there. You can like, you can comment, as long as it's nice. And uh, you can share this with all of your mishpacha, your family. Uh, so, until next time, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray, Pray for, for the, the peace, peace of Jerusalem. That's right. Shalom. Shalom.